What's up, guys? Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week, we'll cover the topics most important to you from marketing and selling your products to winning on social media and everything in between. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a part-time content creator running Fix This, Build That, and my co-host John Malecki is a full-time furniture maker running metal and wood custom furniture. Over the past few years, we've seen the value of bouncing ideas back and forth, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. We're going to continue our three-part series on Instagram today. We've covered community and growing your Instagram in the first two episodes. Today, we're going to be hitting part three and talking about conversion, or better said, how to actually make money using Instagram. So get ready for some solid tips and dust off those shop clothes, and let's talk some business. What's up, John? What's going on, dude? How you how you been? How's how, you were just on vacation? You just got back. I just got back, man, from vacation. I am tan and uh, have a lot of content I got to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You and me both, brother. You and me both. Uh, I know. Yeah, you, you're yourself doing some travel, right? You're up in uh, NYC. I am. I am. I'm in New York City for the YouTube's Next Up program, which is pretty cool. So I'm I'm excited. It's going to be a big week for me. Yeah, for those of you guys who don't know what that is, that is a thing that YouTube does to uh, promote channels between 10,000 and 100,000 subscribers. And uh, typically in the past, they've had two builders um, on it. I know some folks like uh, Kyle Toth and Chris Salamone, DIY Tyler, Nick Ferry have been on there before. Uh, this year, they only picked one, and it was Mr. Malecki. So congrats on that, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. I'm going to go up there and represent for all of us builders. So. I'm, uh, I'm pumped, dude. Absolutely. So today, and, and so you might uh, hear the audio just a little bit different because John is in the hotel room over there. Not He doesn't have his home field advantage, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> John crushes uh, on the away field too. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so today we're going to be talking about uh, conversion. And so we're in that three-part series like we talked about. So we covered the community, we covered how to grow your Instagram, and now what do you do with that? So now that you have a following, how do you lead those people uh, where you want them to go, and how do you get them off of Instagram and on to where you make money, whether that is uh, selling products, selling content, uh, driving to uh, your website, all those things. So we're just gonna jump straight in. Uh, John, you as the product guy, man, why don't you take the first one? Why don't we talk about uh, direct sales and basically uh, selling on Instagram. Yeah, so I mean, I do almost all of my business via um, driving everything from Instagram to a sales funnel. My sales funnel is pretty passive, but I essentially I'm trying to get people over to my website to see my portfolio of work. Now, going back to our you know first two parts in the Instagram series, my Instagram itself is essentially a portfolio. It's finished product and behind the scenes stuff. Um, so you have to have that game plan in place before you get to the part where you're trying to convert people. Um, so what I do is I showcased my final product as well as the process shots that we, we were discussing before. And, um, and then I passively, um, you know, support the community and help people, um, get to my, my click funnel, which we, which is on my website where you bought a form for a custom inquiry. Gotcha. So as you're doing the, that, you, you know, you say passive, t talk more about that. Talk more about like, uh, you know, are you, when you say passive, do you just put it up there? Do you ever put prices on there? Do you say, Hey, this piece is for sale? What does that look like? 
So because we're both um, focusing on building tribes and building community, and that is the emphasis of our channels and our channel style, I don't actually ever put pricing on there. Now, if you go back in any of my Instagram posts for the past couple of years, there's no pricing. Um, so because of that, I'm essentially just trying to promote um, exposure for you know what I've built or what I am building and then give people inspiration to reach out to me and uh, see if I can do something that they're looking to have done custom for their home or for their business um, because of that you know it, it does take a lot of work to put out a ton of content um, so people can see your my broad array of the skill set of what I'm able to do um, so when I say passive I mean I'm not very salesy and I don't believe being salesy is the way to go on Instagram I mean none of us like having product thrown down our throats um, especially from you know, uh, brands and, and marketers. So you got to stay um, consistent with, with your, what your voice is and then make sure, like I don't advise throwing up, you know, hey, I got five cutting boards for sale for 25 bucks a piece. Um, shoot me a DM because I think that stuff is a kind of a turnoff on the platform. Right. And I'll take all five of those for 25. I'll resell them for yeah. 50. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, Instagram isn't made for selling product. Now, the business features of Instagram do have the clickable button, which is um, which is something that's important to, to understand. If you do want to run a, a business account, you can have it set up to sell product. But because I'm not a production guy and I'm doing everything custom, you know, I can't just batch out dining and coffee tables and hold them in inventory and then have them priced on my website and you can buy one and I'll have it shipped out in a day. It doesn't work like that. So I don't, um, I don't choose to use a very salesy tactic on my Instagram platform. So what I do advise is being consistent with what you're doing, making sure that you're showing those process shots, the behind the scenes, and then you're actually showcasing your skill set as well as the work. When you begin to do that, people are going to find you and find inspiration in your style and your work. And that's when they'll start asking you to do custom stuff for them. Gotcha. Yeah. And and I know what you mean, because like looking at it from my end and seeing some of the other folks out there. So a lot of the guys that I do follow uh, do direct sell. You know, they'll have on there. Hey, this uh, this table's for sale or, um, you know, a lot of guys sell smalls on there, whether it is cutting boards or, um, you know, some of those just smaller things like pins, uh, turnings, little things like that. And I think, like you said, that's a little bit different ballgame. Right. So if if you're selling on Etsy, if you're doing a lot of Etsy sales, then that might be a better direct sales because uh, basically you can shoot those people either over to your website or to the Etsy platform. Uh, and when it's something that's more of a commodity, right, you do have to kind of be mm -hmm. a little bit more in the direct. And I think what I hear you saying is that you're trying to build the aura and the presence of, hey, this is my stuff. It's really good. And you're letting them come to you. And so, you know, that's exactly what you said is, is more passive. And I think that can work on the larger scale um, furniture products, you know, not so much on the small. So that's an interesting take on it because uh, a lot of guys I do see really push it. And I know I've seen some folks have some success with that as well, but um, it's interesting to hear your take on it because you're selling something that's, um, I like the idea of that because it's a little more, uh, gives a little more prestige and a little more of like kind of an air of, hey, you know, I'm not trying to sell this. And so, you know, again, you can, get up into the higher price ranges and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my concept for the way I model my business is that I personally would rather sell one item for $10,000 than sell 
10 items for a thousand dollars and the work put into it and like the risk reward concept um, plays a factor in there. If you leverage yourself and your brand to be more of a high-end commodity, that'll give you a lot more opportunity for people to seek you out for your skill set. So if you're a guy that just wants to make, say, end tables, if your whole you know uh, entire feed is filled with um, the styles of end tables that you can do and the, you know, the different mediums and materials and, and, and the different looks, people are going to come to you and ask you for custom items per se, then shop your inventory. Um, and that's another concept that I think a lot of people struggle with in our space is that it is very, very hard to hold inventory on product um, when you're starting out because that is, that's a sunk cost. It's a lost you're essentially sitting on money and waiting it for it to go out the door in order to um, to make what you think that 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 item's worth. And when you work on a when you work on custom items, you know your numbers beforehand, and it's not coming out of pocket. And then that time turnover doesn't isn't there either. So I leverage my brand on the fact that I know people are looking for you know super unique custom stuff. Um, like if you look at my feed, I did an eight foot tall Plinko board in the last month, as well as four dining tables. So <laughs> that's a way different, that's a way broad spectrum of it. But because people saw I can build so many different things, you know, I'm able to take inquiries, um, like something super unique, like that Plinko board and not anywhere, you know, the pricing is all going to be based off of what I know my numbers are. Now that does make things a little bit longer in the sales funnel when it comes to pricing products individually uh, every single time. But like I said, I'm trying to leverage myself to do some, you know, higher end dollars on the on what I'm making instead of doing a bunch of stuff um, for for smaller amounts and trying to get it out there to hold inventory. So it's kind of like that weight and balance of how you want your model to work um, and then also how you're marketing it on the platform. I do think Instagram platform is great for big picture stuff. There's a ton of inspirational um, accounts on there for a reason. You know, a lot of us look at um, Instagram now sort of like Pinterest. You know, we're screenshotting stuff. They have that awesome um, save button on there now that you can you can inventory stuff that you love and go back and look at it. And uh, I think if you're using the platform and trying to appeal to the way it wants to work, that you can definitely still convert to sales um, without throwing out there, you know, that you know, I have five items available for X dollars and making it seems real, real sales pitchy. Right. No, that's, that's a, that's an interesting take on it. Like I said, I, I like that though. I like that a lot. Now, what about, so let's talk about the the guys out there who I, I know there's a lot of them. So let's say uh, there's a guy out there making mallets, he's making uh, pins, he's doing some turnings, he's doing some custom, you know, duck calls or whatever those are, or and not even custom, but just building his inventory up. Uh, and trying to sell it on Etsy, you know, what kind of advice would you give those guys? Because I see a lot of those guys out there who are trying to push that. And it's harder to kind of build that aura because like I was mentioning before, the commodity, you know, what, because I know you used to do that. You used to do some of the cutting board stuff. If somebody's not ready to take on the huge builds that you're doing yet, uh, what kind of advice would you give them there as far as what they can do to to be better on selling on Instagram and stand out so they're not just another dude selling a cutting board? So in that instance, I think what's going on on Instagram is it's becoming a convert. It's a very lifestyle platform. You know, you and I um, have noticed this for a while that people use the platform um, in very different ways. So if you're 
going to be a guy that wants to do, we'll, we'll go to cutting boards because I have experience there. When I had my most success selling cutting boards, it's because I really took the time to take one very detailed and beautiful finished product shots. Um, and I was putting those up there. Now they weren't with a price, but it just said, you know, email, I, I set up a whole email um, <clears throat> and it was the holidays. So that it was, you know, good time for that. But I made sure that my call to action was very distinct. You know, I have X boards available email me if you want one. And I held a bunch of photographs that I would then send to the client. So you're, if you're able to, if you want to go that route, you need to be seen. So you need to have a lot of photographs and you need, you need to still be doing the things we were doing in the first two steps. And that's why we had those, um, the steps on <coughs> that came before conversion is because you have to be, um, properly building your brand, building your tribe and having the right voice and, and um, doing it the right way in order for people to want to purchase your stuff. Now, if, you, if you're if you looking for some advice on um, selling cutting boards or small batch items like that per se, you want to make sure whatever you're doing is very unique. I think Instagram plays very well to uniqueness. Um, a lot of what we see out there becomes a little bit redundant and um, – Along the same lines, you know, a lot of us are able to build kind of the same stuff. I think every single woodworker out there has built a cutting board. Um, it's a great way to learn. They're awesome little products or great gifts. Yes, they definitely do sell, but it is hard because it's it's a saturated market. So if you're going to do something, you need to be doing something unique, whether that's doing um, CNC'd inlays or you're doing a type of types of wood that are very exotic and, and, and you're able to you know, manipulate them in, in certain ways and do things that are prettier. Um as well as showing off how you do the unique stuff, I think is huge on Instagram, you know, behind the scenes videos of the process on how you're building your cutting boards. Also giving information out there on what makes yours better than somebody else. Are you using, you know, <laughs> anything from, are you using type on two or type on three? You know, that's a, a big issue in the cutting board oh, world, but highly you know, debated, <laughs> highly debated, you know, what, what finish type are you using? Are you using just mineral oil? Are you using mineral oils and beeswax? Are you using a salad bowl finish? Do you believe in all this stuff matters? But what it does is gives you opportunity to educate the consumer. So use that in your content um, game plan when you're putting stuff out there. I think just posting that you have stuff available all the time um, isn't doesn't really work on Instagram per se because the platform wants to see you know, the, a lot of the lifestyle and the behind the scenes and the rawness that goes into it. A lot of the guys I see out there succeeding and winning um, in the like smaller item space are doing really cool off off the rocker stuff. Like, um, I think I just watched a turning video with on, I think it was an epoxy with like shavings or something in it. I was like baffled and I oh, watched Carl it. Jacobson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah How it was, cool was that? You know, super yeah. Peter unique. Brown and Carl Jacobson. They did like a, a black dyed epoxy with aluminum shavings in it. Yeah, unbelievable, right? Now, how unique is that, and how much does that stick out in your head? You know, so Carl doesn't even have to post a price if he wanted to sell that item because I guarantee people are going to be like, "That thing is so cool, I want to buy it." <laughs> Just reach out. That's the kind of. Um, so I feel like that's the kind of emotion you want to be trying to trying to evoke on your on your channel on your on your, excuse me on your um on your feed. Uh, and I think a lot of people miss on that because they just put it out. You know, I got this available, this available, this available, this available. And yeah, that's, it's awesome to hold that inventory. But if you're not telling the story behind it, you're going to lose how a lot of, how you how we're trying to, you know, teach you to win on this platform is build that community, build that sense of, um, of, of a group feeling, you know, evoke emotion and, and bring that all together in the product you're trying to sell. Yeah. I've seen the same thing. And so, you know, I don't, 
do a lot of direct sales or even selling on the channel, but I have done it and I have done uh, some cutting boards and some you know, a few other small things. But the one thing that I found is exactly what you just said was that the things that have done the best for me were the custom ones. So I did the the diamond cutting board, you know, where I had yep. the the walnut and, and shaped it in a way and the cuts to make the sapwood turn into the diamonds. And it was not just I think there's the piece that the thing that really helped set that piece apart was not I didn't just build it and then do a finished shot, even though for that one, because it was so unique, I think that that probably would have been okay. But I took them along for the ride because you know I'm obviously more of the content creation side. So I was using that and really stringing it out and showing from the initial cutting of where I had the idea and showing it in the rough all the way through, showing some of the steps of the glue up, uh, the sanding, mm -hmm. of course, the oiling. Everybody loves a good uh, <laughs> oiling video. <laughs> oh, yeah. But after that, I, I agree with you. Like, I think people were already lined up um, wanting to buy it before I was even done. Right. So they could see where it came together, where I kind of did a reveal video where I flipped them and it was like, oh, wow, I can see what this is going to be. Um, I already started getting some inquiries right then. And just like you said, people are asking me, hey, are you going to sell that? Are you going to sell that? Uh, now that's a little bit different because I made that over the course of, you know, a week. If you're trying to do this uh, as a side business, you're going to be needing to, to really bust those out, right? You're going to be needing to make five a day or, or whatever. Uh, so it's a little bit harder to make them all custom. Uh, but I, I definitely think that once you get into that custom realm, then you there's the two things that start happening. One is that people will get bought into it more so you can shape a story around that custom piece around, yes. hey, check out the figure that I found in this board and, and show it from the beginning, show it progressing. People can see the transformation. They get bought in to that piece as well as to you as a, as a builder and a maker. Uh, mm -hmm. And then they're ready for it on the other end. Uh, and I think the nice thing about that is that then you can also charge more, right? Because now you've got a custom piece. Anybody and their brother can make uh, you know, an edge grain board with walnut and maple and cherry, right? I mean, they're a dime a dozen out there. They're everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, my, my actually my most popular YouTube video is a, on how to make a cutting board. Uh, and it's exactly that. It's an edge grain. Uh, of course, I've got yellow heart instead Ooh. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walnut, maple and yellow heart. But yeah, anybody can build that design. And, and a bunch of people do build that exact design um, that I did. And and that's fine. Like anybody can replicate that. But what you can't replicate is when you find that piece of, of curly maple or that piece of walnut, right, that has that sapwood coming through to just the right spot. So um, as much custom as you can do. And then that's kind of your uh, your premier piece. But then, you know, you can kind of have the bill payers in there, too. Right. Like people still want edge grain boards, though. They're just you know, you're going to get half the price of what you might get for a custom board, though. But you can still make those. And and that's, a you know, an interesting thing that you could put on there and send people over to your Etsy shop or send people to wherever you're selling. And when they see the custom one, they go, oh, I can't you know, I, I wasn't planning on spending 200 bucks. Oh, but here's one for 75. Yeah, maybe I'll go buy that one. Exactly. So <clears throat> I think what you're leading into there is um, lead them in with the high end luxury item. You want to <clears throat> you want to um, get them in the door with that you know beautiful, ind very individual piece that you were just touching on. We'll go with your your diamond grain board because that thing was sweet. So um, that's going to be once in a while you're going to be able to make one of those because you found that in the wood wood itself. You know, but. There is a market for those, you know, more general looking things, and that's where you have that built into your store. 
the emphasis of your feed, you know, put that on the that big staple item, but also make sure that you have, you know, backed inventory shots of um, the smaller stuff you got going on. If you're doing a bunch of picture frames per se, you know, uh, they're all going to be pretty similar until you do on an ebony inlay with on um, curly tiger maple or something and have the, it's a really standout unique piece. But that price is, like you said, going to be much higher. So you need to have that back stock with these smaller items. And I think that's how you get them in there. You don't have to um, sell them up front with, you know, I have boards ranging from 50 to $250. I think if you can hit them with that beautiful one-time piece, they're going to find it on their own. And that's where um, that's where you'll be able to use both of those um, in conjunction. Excuse me, both ends of the pricing spectrum in conjunction. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think another thing that is kind of blends into what we're both saying here is that uh, being a little bit more on the passive side and you want to get them over there and you want to have the mystique too. So whenever I posted that board and I said, actually, I don't even think I, I posted, I think somebody um, contacted me beforehand. But if I'm doing something like that, I will say, hey, uh, so it's talking more tactical. Well, how do you actually, okay, what does that look like on Instagram? Um, if I'm just going to sell that custom piece and if I hadn't had people already contacting me for it, I would probably post a finished picture and say, hey, if you want to learn more about this, head over to. So I have an Etsy shop. So that's where I would send them, even though I do have the website. I, I tend to sell on Etsy because it's just so much easier from a fulfillment perspective and billing and, and everything there. It's just uh, it's plug and play, which is really nice. So you send them over there, but I don't mention price. And I think part of that is that. You're going to have a lot of people go over there where if you had a said, if I said, hey, this is a custom board, it's 200 bucks, a lot of people aren't going to click on it, right? And so they're never going to get there and I'm not going to be able to convert them and downsell them, right? So exactly what you said, I've got this luxury item and that's the thing that's going to draw the interest and it's going to draw the traffic. And for, you know, that 90% of the people who just wanted to see it, but they didn't, but they look at the price and they go, ah, that's too expensive, then you've got a downsell, you know, instead of an upsell, you've got a downsell as, as well. I think it goes both ways. So you get them there. It's it's kind of the the traffic driver. And then once they're there, then they go, oh, yeah, well, he's got some other stuff, too. So then maybe they browse around and maybe they buy something else uh, if that's not in their price range. So I would suggest from my experience, you know, don't put that price in there. Just like John was saying, keep that keep a little mystique in there uh, and, and don't advertise those prices necessarily, but let them drive to the channel and then see it on their own. And so that they can see your whole portfolio instead of, you know, scaring them away, if you will, with a, with your higher priced items, get them there so they'll want to see more about it. Uh, and then some, you know, some people are going to buy that too. Yeah, no doubt. And and what you're able to do by creating this sort of mystique around your pricing is when your pricing change, it's not a huge shock. You'll also be able to get some clients via referrals um, just because people know you build stuff. So if you're doing, we'll stick with cutting boards. If you're doing a lot of cutting boards and that's the main thing you do, you know, someone might be following you because they just like the style of it. They can make their own cutting boards. They have no need to buy them off of you. But they've seen you work with, you know, say a CNC and you did something inlaid that is a little bit above what they're capable of. Well, when it comes to that time that they need to buy that service or someone's looking to buy that service, you become that referral for them. And if you put your pricing up front, what, what I found happens with me is it immediately scares them away. Um, even having that conversation is going to be your number one aspect of selling any type of product, I believe, in business is, you know, just to being able to talk to your client. So if you're scaring them away with your pricing up front, you're going to lose um, 
that opportunity to to talk to that person and find out their needs and what they want and then be able to help them. Um, for me, for instance, you know, I get a lot of inquiries for tons of stuff. And I know my prices and I know what it is and I'm able to tell them, you know, almost in an immediate email or following you know, you're going to be between here and here. But I am also able to, you know, have a conversation with them and not just scare them off immediately by having my prices um, listed on, on a website per se. So you, that little bit of mystique you're talking about definitely helps you with sales tactics down the line too. And I highly advise, you know, keeping pricing off of your Instagram page. Um, I just don't think the platform really, really works for that. Now, if you are carrying inventory, and I mean, this is a whole other ball game, paid advertising on Instagram with a, with a button to buy, that's a different ball game. And that works for a lot of industries. But um, I think that's another conversation for another time. That's a, that's a little bit more on the higher tactical side, I would say. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just real quick hit on one last thing before we move on to the next piece. But uh, so on the product as well, you also have digital product, right? So I sell plans and I mm -hmm. sell those through Gumroad and I sell digital plans to the builds that I make. And one of the things about, you know, a plan is, is obviously it's a whole different ballgame, right? I don't have beauty shots of a plan. I've got the, mm. it's all about the build. And so I might talk about that all this. I'll show a, a beauty shot of the finished picture. But one of the things that uh, I found some success in on plans and uh, I've also seen other folks have the success of, of talking about pricing is with like a sale, right? So Instagram, I think, does respond well to different types of sales. And usually on uh, Cyber Monday or uh, Black Friday, uh, like this past year, I did a Black Friday through Cyber Monday sale on my plans and it responded pretty well. So I got some, a lot of good traffic on there. And just saying, I think when people see that, so instead of having the dollars there, though, having that percentage and saying 25% off, whatever, 30% off, um, I tried to do some similar stuff on uh, some smalls and on some cutting boards and saying like free shipping. It didn't really go over so well, but it was like the percentage off. I think when people start seeing, you know, 25% off, 20% off that I think that also intrigues them. So that's a good way to to drive that and drive some excitement is using Instagram to do uh, some flash sales, whether that's around major holidays or if it's just your own thing, right? I've seen other people have some success in that as well, that they've said like uh, Andrew Bacon, our, our buddy from Field Treasure Designs, uh, every once in a while, he'll do a like a one day sale on his state signs and he'll say, you know, state signs for whatever it is, half off uh, or buy one, get one or whatever it is that he he does there and he just gets pounded with business. So uh, I know that that's done very well for him as well as is just running those promotions on Instagram. Yep. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, to wrap that up, just you can't go on his feed and find pricing unless it's one of them little flash sales. So just keep your um, keep your pricing of items to a minimum, uh, especially when you're trying to convert to you know, higher end clients or any type of clients. And I think that that'll bode well to how Instagram works. Yeah. So that's conversion of products. I think we hit that pretty good. So I'm going to move on to uh, other ways, right? So that's folks who are trying to sell something, but there's other ways too. So more for the content creation, which is uh, obviously what I'm doing for the majority of my business. And, and there's a lot of ways to convert there. And, and I think the first one I'll hit on is just connecting with brands and connecting with sponsors. So looking at uh, sponsor connections and uh, not necessarily a direct sales, but more of a engagement tool, because once you're you're on the Instagram and in the Instagram community, there's a lot of great brands that are out there that are active on Instagram in the woodworking scene, uh, in the DIY space. 
and it, they're growing every week. And I think we talked about that back uh, in the first episode about community and about how brands are jumping in is that you can use your Instagram channel as a sales page to them. And in this instance, you're selling, right? You're selling yourself. So you're saying, hey, I am, uh, you know, Joe's woodworking and I have 15,000 followers uh, and here's what I can do. You've seen my body of work uh, and I can add value to your brand, brand X, you know, glue, right? They just came out with tight bond four and I will be your poster <laughs> child <laughs> because I, all I do is just these crazy glue ups and I think it's going to be a great tie in. So I think the, the part of conversion from that instance uh, is the ability to connect the brands and some of the things that I've had success with, uh, I think direct messages are great on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the nice thing about that is that, and I know uh, Gary V always talks about, you know, it all goes down in the DM. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that the cool thing is, is that it's immediately, you can reach out to a sponsor. You don't have to send them like a media kit or anything. Like when you send it out, they just click on your name and then boom, they, they can just, they can instantly judge you again, which goes back to what we are also saying about growing your, your feed is when, when a sponsor, when a brand looks at your feed if you're a content creator, you want that feed to tell your story too, right? And so oh, that's yeah. really important. It's like your business card. Oh yeah, that's that's that is another reason why we put, you know, our our first two episodes or the first two. You can't approach a brand and ask, you know, for a sponsor to sponsor anything of there, and if you don't have um, a voice and you don't have a community built around your channel, brands want um, to be tied to other brands or businesses or individuals on social that are doing great for the community and not just guys with tons of numbers. Um, and that's, and that's one thing I've learned is that my numbers aren't ridiculously high, but the brands that I'm able to work with love the story. They love, um, my embodiment of, of work. They, they love my, um, like the, the, the whole package. And, and be, even though the numbers aren't really there per se, I'm still able to monetize it because my following digs it. And, and the, I'm helping those people become better and more inspired in what they're doing. And I think if you, if you miss on that, then <laughs> say goodbye to sponsored posts because they're not going to really want to come around. Um, if you're just a guy who's, or excuse me, if you're, if your brand isn't really tied together the whole way, um, and, and it's, a a lot of tactics go into it too. I mean, what you said about the DM, I think that's huge um, and was awesome on Instagram. Um, it's pretty new uh, being able to DM anyone. Uh, and, and those get buried a lot too. You know, those, those big brands are going to have a lot of people DMing them, but you can definitely get the attention of some brands um, on, on that, using that little tactic right there. And even just start a conversation. So you're selling the same thing. You're selling the same way, um, getting on the phone or being able to talk to someone directly as if you were selling a product, you know, you have to have the whole package put together already. And then you're just, you're finishing the deal by being able to talk to them directly. Yeah. And I, I think there's some important things to say about sponsors, right? I know we'll have much, much more information uh, in future episodes, but I think the number one thing I would tell folks out there is that, um, make no bones about it. Uh, a sponsor is going to have a relationship with you because they want to make money because they think that you can bring them 
business that you can bring them sales uh, of their product. And I mean, it's business, right? This isn't talking about community, right? This isn't just friends and friends, like their sole purpose, uh, as altruistic as they may be, because there's some really great brands out there who do a lot for the community, but still every single last one of them is about dollars and cents. So uh, the absolute wrong way to reach out to a brand is, hey, will you send me tool X? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you there's, there's nothing in that for them. You have to bring value. Yes. Uh, and so you have to tell them, hey, here's here's why I want this tool. Here's how I'll use it. Yep. Um, here's how I think it'll reflect well on your channel. Here's what my audience looks like. And they should also be able to see that just through looking at your feed uh, because they'll be able to see the engagement. They'll be able to see, uh, like you said, just because you've got the numbers are not that big. Man, I've seen a lot of people with small numbers uh, pick up, you know, small deals, whether that's, you know, and sponsorships can look a ton of different ways, you know, anywhere from just receiving a free product, uh, all the way up to paid sponsorships and, and, um, sponsoring videos and things like that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of sponsors out there that are, are willing to send a free product your way and have you test it out and tell, you know, share that brand, uh, with the rest of your followers, uh, with your audience. But, but I think that's the biggest thing that I would just hit on is you have to bring value. Uh, you have to show value. It is a, it's mutually beneficial. You're getting product and or money. Uh, they are getting, you know, word of mouth, um, word of mouth advertising. They're getting, uh, their brand out there, more brand awareness, and they're getting just more eyeballs on their product. For sure. And, and I think, um, you, you have, you nailed on a lot of key key points there that we can get into tactics down the line but you know reaching out and immediately asking without providing value we've talked about that in the past that doesn't work you have to bring something to the table and you should always be trying to bring something to the table so if you want to approach a brand and dm them you know let them know hey i'm working on x project and i think your product would be an awesome part of my build process and I'd love to show it to my community. I've been trying to get my hands on one for a while and you know, if you want any more numbers, please contact me at X. Something as simple as that, you can start a conversation and that's what brands wanna see. They want to be tied to brands that are providing value to people and they also wanna be tied to brands that aren't just coming at you um, asking for stuff. They wanna be able to, they're the ones that are giving um, and receiving as much, that's the kind of relationship that you want, the brands want to be having with you. Um, and we're both of us are very fortunate that we work with some great brands that, um, that have been doing that with us. And I think, um, I think hell, I asked you about two years ago from now, how you got started. And I think it was a very similar conversation to this one. Um, you just said, Hey, reach out to a few of them and, and ask, you know, what can I do for you? And I think as simple as that, that's a great start to get working with any brands. Absolutely. And it helps also, I know some brand, it depends upon the brand, how big their product line is. But if it's a brand that you use, I mean, that, that's also another thing, right? If, if I reached out to Festool and go, hey, I've been waiting to, you know, to get my hands on a domino for so, well, yeah, so is everybody else, right? It's like, <laughs> if you have been supporting them, that is huge already. So you know, as I uh, got connected in, you know, with one of the brands I work with, with Rigid, uh, which we talked about earlier about that, that story, I, I believe back in episode one, um, 
I've been using rigid forever. I mean, I, I've been using them back from 12 volt NICADs, you know, way back in the day. And they saw something where I had used their products and that's how the conversation got started with them. Uh, and so I think that's also something where, where people fall down is that they go direct into, Hey, Hey, gimme, gimme, gimme. Um, but they've not been supporting their product. Uh, I mean, just think about it, put the shoe on the other foot. If you are a brand manager, if you're a marketing social media manager for, uh, company X and you have 50 people a week that are asking you for free swag, um, who are you going to want to work with? Are you going to want to work with the guy who's who's been using your product? Or are you going to be look and work with the guy who is just saying, hey, I want this and I need it and I don't have any others? Or you look in their feed and you don't see anything that's got your product in it, right? If my product's pink and you look through and I don't see a single pink tool in this guy's shop, uh, I'm going to be less likely to do that. So, And I think that's back to where you said uh, the numbers don't matter as much. That, I think, is a huge differentiator. If you can show that brand loyalty already, uh, and, and that's, you know, frankly, that's the people you should be going for anyway. You shouldn't, you should oh, yeah. be going for the folks who you know and love and use and support uh, because, right, that's your wheelhouse. That's the authenticity part of it, too. For sure. And, and that's going to bring me to my first piece of advice to working with any brands is start with companies that you're already using. And I would even go further and say mostly on consumables um, because we're all purchasing consumables so often. There's great opportunity to be working with brands that are putting out new adhesives, new papers, new finishes, all kinds of stuff like that, which every single one of us, you know, you, how many table saws can you use? You don't want to <laughs> you're not going to hit home runs like that um, out of the gate. But you have probably used how many different brands of sandpaper, you know, how many different uh, brands of epoxy or, you know, brushes or whatever it might be. So reaching out to those consumable brands that have been seen in your content or that you have already used, just like you said, is a great way to start and get your foot in the door when it comes to getting some brand recognition um, for sponsored posts. And that's how I kind of got started. And, and, I, and it was, it's worked great for me. Um, because I was already using the stuff. I had a, a good opinion on it. My audience asks a ton of questions on, um, you know, what finishes I'm using, what, what consumables I'm using. So, uh, if you, if you think about your whole brand package, I bet, I mean, most people that are marketing on Instagram can look at it and go, wow, I use a ton of this. I should reach out to these guys, you know, cause you love their product one and two, they want people who love their product to pump their product. <laughs> um, so that's yeah. my first piece of advice is start with, uh, Start with brands are already using, and I would even focus more on using consumables. And, and tactically, so let's jump back into the tactics, right? So how do we do it? Uh, exactly what John's saying, as you're posting it, you know, tag them. Figure out, uh, obviously yep. you want to account tag them, right? So tag them in your pictures, but also figure out like what their hashtags are, right? So, you know, I keep talking uh, about Rigid here, but so Team Rigid or, you know, Craig Jig or, or Micro Jig, like whatever those hashtags are for that product, because every company has their own unique hashtags. Uh, the NBHD, right, for Milwaukee? Is that what, did I get that right? Nothing yeah, but heavy duty. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, nothing but heavy duty. Come on, John. You better get yeah. up on your hashtags, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is not hashtag birdhouse here, okay? No, this is no, my go-to. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, so yeah, you gotta go in there and engage with them uh, in your post. Engage on their posts. Obviously, the, the first and foremost, you should be following these folks. Yes. Go in there, uh, comment on their posts, and and don't just do like a drive-by comment. Uh, 
you know, engage with it. Ask a question. Uh, if they have a new product out, that's a great time to ask questions about the product, get engaged with the product. Uh, and also back to kind of some more tactical is when brands are putting new products out, that's also a great time to get engaged because they're probably looking to get that on the market, get more people using it and posting about it. Uh, so that is a great time to, to really engage with a brand. If you see them teasing something that's coming up, jump in there. And if you've been building on that relationship, that could be a great entry point. Yeah, for sure. And, and um, that's, that's all really, really great stuff. I mean, what we said in the first two episodes, that's all going back there. And I love how we keep tying in. Start a conversation. If you want to be working with a brand, you should already be following them. You should already be commenting on their stuff. If you're actually into it, that's going to show through. And that brand will be more than willing to at least have a conversation with you most times um, to, and get to know you and see if there's any way you can work together. Uh, and I couldn't tell you how many times I've just got the attention of a brand that I wanted on um, by just making a comment or asking, you know, and, and so that'll be something we could talk a little more tactics down the line. But you got to be got to be having a conversation with these guys. And that's, you know, that's the whole point of the platform is if you want to win on there, make sure that you're you're doing it for the betterment of everybody and not just yourself. Yeah. So I, I think that's awesome. I think it's a good way to, to close out the sponsor thing. Unless you have anything else on that one, John? No, no, I definitely think we hit the basics there. And I mean, we'll, like we said, we'll definitely get into more detail um, as we continue to grow the series, but I definitely think we got some great basics there. Perfect. Yeah. And so the third piece we wanted to hit on is, is okay. So we talked about product. We talked about connecting with brands. The last piece would just be driving to somewhere else, right? Not necessarily that you're trying to sell something, but just driving traffic. So if you have a blog, if you have a YouTube channel, if you have a Facebook, basically anywhere that you can link them to on the web, you have that that one link in your profile. And and those words, you know, link in bio are, are powerful words. That is your only call to action that you can really do on Instagram that people are going to actually be able to click and actually do it, you know, other than contacting you because, um, you know, I, I see people put things in the comments. They'll say, you know, go visit this site. And it's like a bitly link, you know, one, three, lowercase B, D. I'm like, yeah, no. I'm not, not going to remember that. Like, I <laughs> Nobody <can't> copy it. <laughs> in the right mind. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can't copy from the text either. So that call to action of where you want them to go. Uh, and I think that's a good one for content creators for sure. So the ways that I use it successfully are whenever I put out, uh, obviously, first and foremost, whenever I put out a new video, I put out a new video or a new post. Uh, I am going to do a series of posts uh, talking about that. I'll typically do, and we talked about this as well, is getting more out of your content. So I will typically do, um, you know, a main beauty shot that's probably going to be the same shot that's either on my thumbnail or on my blog post as the as the thumbnail there, either on YouTube or my blog post. And I'll say, hey, I just linked the thing. I just launched that. So I just launched some uh, concrete side tables, outdoor side tables. Here's the picture. Man, just finish these up. Go check it out. There's a link in my bio. And then in my bio, I will change that to say, hey, check out my latest video, concrete outdoor side tables, uh, and have a link to that. So being able to drive people out to your external source, which then, like you mentioned earlier, right, that's the sales funnel in, in a sense of that's the monetization funnel that I might not be driving to sales. So for that specific one, I actually am not selling that plan uh, just because it's so basic. It was the two, two by four challenge that I was a part of the, the guys over there at the Modern Maker podcast uh, did that. And so it's like, yeah, I'm not going to sell plans for something that uses two, two by fours because it's just, <laughs> it's so basic. So I'm actually giving that, that one um, 
I have the plans there and right now I'm just having that for free. And so, but it's still driving traffic, right? So even though yes. it's not direct sales, I'm, what I'm trying to do with that one is build my email list. There and you go. building so, your email list is long-term sales, right? And long-term traffic and long-term uh, profitability just from getting those folks into the sphere and into the fix this, build that uh, platform and experience and, and just interacting with all those other things that do make me money. Yes. And that is a hugely important part. And a lot of people miss on it is that that one link in your bio is the only opportunity you have to capture any information or to drive people to a platform that you own. Um, and now this is like a very, very important concept when it comes to doing business on social media, you have to drive people to a platform that is your own owned content. Um, there's a great book out there and I'll put the link in the show notes called content Inc. But when you're talking about marketing, on any type of social, you know, you don't own that. You don't own, I don't own Facebook. I don't own Instagram. I don't own Twitter. If that platform could change immediately and take away all the work I put into building a following. But if you, you want to be driving them to a website, like you said, yours, fix is where you're trying to get everyone over to and converted to. And that's, um, your only opportunity on Instagram is that link in your bio. So you got to tell people to click it. If you're putting more content or, um, putting out more detailed plans, photographs and stuff, Put that link in your bio and drive people over to your website. That's your own platform, and that should be the end goal for all of your marketing on your social platform. Yeah, and we'll hit again on this uh, more in depth. We're, we're just more talking about the Instagram platform and how to drive that traffic there. But absolutely, as far as ownership, uh, the number one thing that you'll hear preached in, in most online marketing and content creation is build your email list. Uh, because that is, you own it. Nobody can take that away from you. And that's a way that you can drive people to your website, which again, you own. So I'll go back and forth uh, because I am trying to grow my YouTube channel. I will actually drive them direct to YouTube uh, for when I'm doing a, a new post. I will say, hey, go do it because I'm trying to drive uh, subscribers and uh, that's going to lead to other long-term things, right? Whether it's going to be uh, driving them back to plan sales or driving them back to ad revenue on my website or just brand deals uh, because, you know, I have a larger audience that brands want to get in front of. So I will drive to that. But at the same time, that's not my only thing. So if you're only trying to drive YouTube, th there's nothing wrong with having a link in your bio to go to YouTube and trying to grow that platform. But make sure you're diversified. You don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. Uh, you want to have them in places where uh, you have more ownership and more control, and that's typically going to be an email list uh, because even if you have like a private Facebook group, like Facebook could totally change the way they do groups tomorrow. They could totally disappear. I mean, you know, they could do whatever. But once you have a list of email addresses, uh, you know, they can't take that away from you. And whatever happens, you can rebound, and at least you have that list where you can engage with folks and send them to the newest platform. Yes. And yeah, and, I, and you nailed it. I mean, I don't think I need to say much more on it because that was almost as perfect as it could be said. You want to make sure that you're linking to the things that your um, call to action is pertains to most. But I promise you, if you're linked to YouTube, that your YouTube link um, in the description there has a link to your website and you're driving them there one way or another. Um, so, yeah, make sure that your call to action is used um used relevant towards the content that you're posting in your bio. That's a huge, huge aspect that a lot of people miss on that I notice is that they just either have it blank or it's going to somewhere general. Um, that's a great opportunity to, you know, drive, um, drive people to 
more information or drive them to sales or drive them to more exposure on, on different platforms and get them, um, get them following along with the whole package of your brand. Yeah. And another thing, I, I can't recall who I heard say it, but, uh, the first, the first link, the first click is the most important too. Correct. So like, like what you mentioned, uh, I do have links back to my website on YouTube. Um, I think it was actually Shalene Johnson who was saying that, but one of the things that she says is like, you don't want to send them on a wild goose chase either. So it's like, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'm going to send you from Instagram to YouTube and then from YouTube to, uh, my plans and then tell you, Oh, don't forget to, uh, to check me out on Facebook. And uh, I have a Pinterest and you know, you don't want to confuse your audience because people aren't going to follow that rabbit trail, uh, that first click. So wherever you want them to go, and if you're going to try to bounce them from YouTube to your website, don't do that. Send them direct to your website and embed the video there, which yes. I do. Uh, and once I get past that initial launch, that's what I do. So whenever I send out my newsletter, I actually send them to my website. And because those are folks who engage with my website um, on Instagram, again, trying to use my audience on Instagram, which is uh, much larger than my audience on YouTube, I'm trying to convert those folks over into the YouTube space uh, and, and grow that following there. But you need to make sure that you're using that first click the way that you want it. So really think about that. Think about where you want to send them and what you want to grow and don't bounce it around. Don't send them to YouTube one week and then your your email list the next week and then Facebook the week following. Like get a plan, figure out what you want to grow and then grow that channel and, and pound on that and set in a goal that is you know a month or two months or three months and say, I am just going to try to grow my Facebook page. I'm going to try to grow my YouTube channel. I'm going to try to grow my email list and just hit on that, man. Just keep chopping wood. I know Moleki, you, you love to use that one, all right? Yeah, that's, it's like, a, that's a life motto for me. <laughs> you you got to be consistent. Uh, yep. And I think that's going to be, you know, a major, a major three point of all of our conversations is just consistency. And the more you do something the same way, the more you're going to have the results and just uh, keep pounding on it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I th- and you, you 100% nailed it, dude. That's some that's some really good stuff there. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're coming up here on about 45 minutes or so. So uh, why don't we start wrapping up? And I know that uh, you had a few takeaways. Is there anything else you want to hit them with? And then maybe we'll get into some homework around what uh, the audience can do there around getting up to sell their product and uh, maybe connect with some sponsors. Um, yeah. So just make sure you're taking the proper steps for the first two parts of this series. If you notice, everything is driving back to that for a reason. We truly believe in creating your voice and building community around your channel is going to set you up to be the most successful on whatever your end game or end play is. If you want to sell product or if you want to go and create content for sponsorship, you got to make sure that you are creating the proper voice um, and that you're building community around your Instagram channel. Um, after doing that, you know, the, you want to use, um, a passive sales approach in my experience and with, uh, to what I believe, um, on your channel, if you're going to be selling product, um, don't do no cheesy marketing, you know, discounted blah, blah, this and that, unless you're doing flash sales, which I think are great. But, um, every single day it doesn't become a flash sale then it just becomes, uh, you know, cheesy old school marketing. So <laughs> You want to make sure that you're you're trying to keep your pricing off of the platform as much as possible. Um, I, I actually would, would say suggest 100% keep your pricing off the platform. Um, you want to then go and um, create conversations and try to drive people to talk to you about selling product. And I think that's where you'll be most successful. And by following those steps, you know, then you can start reaching out to sponsors and stuff who are seeing your products in their in your posts and your videos and in the behind the scenes stuff that we suggest in part um, parts one and two. And and you'll start getting their attention. And that's where the you know the big picture 
um, really starts to come together and you can start working with some awesome, awesome brands. Um, I think we had a few, few takeaways there um, that are a little bit more specific that we'll definitely be diving into more in the future. But from a general sense, I think, uh, I think this was a, an awesome conversation. I think those are my, my, my big tips right there, Brad, for them. Excellent. So I'm just going to give a, a couple little homework pieces. We like to try to end every episode with a few things you can do to really take some action this week. Uh, so what I'm going to say for homework piece number one is if you're selling product, get out there and look at your content on Instagram and go back and tell the story. Uh, don't just do a beauty shot. Tell a story about how you're getting there. Uh, invite invite your audience into the process and get them engaged in not just the end product, uh, but the journey to get there. Because I think that's, especially on Instagram, people love the story. People love to see that. And you can do that through things like an Instagram story, right? So if you don't want to say, oh, I don't want to have um, all that extra stuff, uh, do it whichever way you want to, whether it's in a post or an Instagram story. Um, but show more of that behind the scenes and tell the story of your product. So get the audience engaged. So that'll be number one. Uh, if you are a content creator, you're not necessarily doing product. Uh, if you're trying to connect with brands, if you're just trying to figure out what you want to do, I say do that. Pick one brand this week and go out there and engage with them. Figure out what hashtags they're using. Look at their posts. And the next time that you're posting something that uh, – you're using their product, make sure you're calling them out. Make sure that you're tagging them, you're hashtagging them, and that you're also engaging on their platform. So those would be the two pieces of, of homework we'll give you, whether you're uh, selling your product or whether you're trying to connect with new brands as a content creator or just a, a budding Instagrammer, social media influencer. And I think if you do those two things, I think you'll, you know, it'll be interesting if you've not done them yet and you'll start to learn what works as well. Yep, and that's, uh, that's one, you know, good final point there is that you you can't learn until you try it so um those are two great takeaways from this episode i believe and i think um i'm really looking forward and diving a little bit deeper in these in some future episodes here dude absolutely man it's a great conversation i know you're up there in new york so we're gonna let you go no hashtag for this week we'll uh, just let you ride with the first two weeks and uh, we'll have some Great content. We're finishing up the series. This was the three-part series of Instagram. These will all actually be pre-recorded, so we're going to release these all at the same time. So hopefully you've had a chance to listen to them. Uh, and then as John and I get our schedules worked out, we're going to be working through with weekly episodes. And we are just super excited to share with you and hear back from you as well. So make sure that you're connecting with us, uh, asking questions, because your input is going to help shape future episodes as well. So uh, John, why don't you hit him with some of that contact information, man, and have a great time up there in New York. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes, and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at madeforprofit, where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks. So once again, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. <laughs>